Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Thank you all for coming, loving our Savior, learning his ways, living faith daily. In our minds, in terms of church practice, our Sunday worship is the element of loving our Savior. We facilitate that relational aspect of God. And during the weeks, we meet in faith groups and learn his ways, a more discussion-based atmosphere, and talk about understanding, growing in the things of God, so that every day we can live faithfully for him. It's not just a matter of what we know in our minds or what we feel in our hearts, but what we live day by day for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. You'll notice all around you, flags all over this room. Um, I'm not sure what all of them represent. I know a few of them. They came labeled, but in preparing them, I didn't memorize all the labels. I want to say a big thank you. This past summer, I ministered in St. Paul, Minnesota, And in that congregation, they had flags hanging there. And I mentioned to one of the young leaders, where did you get those flags? He said, well, it's at a website. I'll get you the link. And so before I left, he hadn't got me the link. And then a week later, I text him. I said, where's the link? Nothing. Two weeks later, I text him again. Come on, man. I need to order some flags. We got a series coming up. Nothing. About a week after that, I get a text back from Andrew and his wife, Heather. He said, we bought you the flags. They're coming in the mail. So these flags are a gift from Andrew and Heather Reese. I very much appreciate their investment in our congregation. They were prepared for hanging. I got them out of the bag, and they had creases in them. God forbid. So Haley Wallen steamed them all and got them ready to hang. I appreciate that effort very much. I want to remind you, last week we started November's prayer, focus prayer, and if you weren't here last week to get a November prayer guide, we're all praying the same thing at the same time, pick up a prayer guide from somebody in the back on your way out. It's always great to have Tim and Priscilla Thompson in service with us, wonderful saints of God. We just love these folks. Amen. Long-time saints and leaders here. It's great to have them back in town. Two weeks from today, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Sunday following Thanksgiving, a special service celebrating the Lord's Supper. Make sure to be ready to join with us for that. Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to look in this, on the screen. We're going to read a portion of Scripture. Actually, all of us who speak English are going to read silently a portion of Scripture. At the same time, Patricia is going to read for us today in Twi, and she's going to share with us that understanding from that language. Follow along Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, as Patricia reads for us today. Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. In my language, I say Matthew, Tinum. I read. 
na sanchini ya ni dea edia na ode beshe no nchine enye ma shibie jise ushiegu na ni petiti aso muni wi ase hai ko a eda be poso ntumi hinta na onso kania infanche eduase ne momodi si kania eduaso na shrei ama won awo eda numu nyina ni senti Mama Mokani are ensuring Nipenim. Now, who know more near pa? Now, I shall more a jar our was run or any more. Amen. Amen. Everyone said, Amen. In continuing with our focus to all the world, we've shared various languages during various messages in this series. Our heart, our desire is to see. Every culture, every race, every language known in our surrounding area to be represented in this kingdom and in this congregation. Amen. One out of four people in the city of Everett speak a language other than English at home. And we want to be open and available to minister to everyone. Can you say amen? Somebody shout out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for helping us today, Patricia. Scripture, Jesus talked about salt. How many have one of these familiar containers of salt in your household? How many are trying to reduce your salt intake? Amen. I was reading that the word salt or the use of, or rather the word salad. The word salad was derived from the Romans. Ancient Romans used salt to put it on their leafy vegetables, and that became the word for salad. My father has long salted every salad he was ever served. I've determined he's an ancient Roman. (laughs) Salt. Salt. It's essential for life in general. It's a basic of human tastes. It's one of the oldest and most universal seasonings. It's important... It's an ancient method for food preservation. Did you know that it actually not just an ancient method? Salt was a primary method of preservation well into the 20th century, into the mid-1900s before we began to preserve in other ways. Ancient times, salt was prized by the Hebrews, the Greeks, the Romans, the Hittites, the Egyptians. Because it was prized, it became an important article of trade, They took it by boat across the Mediterranean Sea. They took it by camel caravan across the Saharan Desert. Not only does the word salad derive from salt, but the word salary. A salary, it comes from the Latin word for salt. Perhaps that's related to the bartering and trade value that salt had maintained. Wars have been fought over salt. Various governments at different times have imposed salt taxes on people. It's said that the voyages and the discoveries of Christopher Columbus were financed by salt production in southern Spain. In fact, there was an oppressive salt tax that was levied in France, and that was one of the causes of the French Revolution. In 1930, an influential leader named Mahatma Gandhi 
He led at least 100,000 people in what was called the salt resistance. And they protested salt tax to the British rule by giving, or, uh, obtaining their own salt from seawater. Though it's inexpensive today, in ancient history salt was valuable and it was connected then with wealth and with power. Salt. It's simple. It's familiar. It's common. Whether farmers or shepherds or tax collectors or tent makers, when Jesus talked about salt, everyone understood what he was talking about. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 and verse 13 again, Jesus ordained his people, his followers, with these direct words, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its favor, flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Pastor Clovis Chappelle years ago wrote, You are the salt of the earth is taken as a declaration of the saints' obligations and responsibilities. It becomes an epitome of all the commandments and a summary of the whole duty of man. Salt of the earth, that is a disciple's ordained purpose. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor, Jesus said. Actually, salt, sodium chloride, is a very stable substance. It doesn't break down. It doesn't lose its saltiness. Well, what? wait a minute. What, what was Jesus talking about? That was a hypothetical situation. In other words, Suppose this would happen, what would you think about salt? The important meaning of Jesus' words is that salt should maintain its basic character. And if it fails to be salty, then it's lost its purpose and its usefulness. If salt lost its saltiness, then in truth it would no longer be salt, but it would be something else. If something loses its fundamental nature, then it's no longer the same thing. So Jesus is provoking his listeners, his followers on that day in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, disciples, please, you got to understand, don't lose your God-ordained purpose. Another minister wrote this years ago, if Christians are not fulfilling their purpose as Christians, then they are on their way to disaster. If disciples like us, if we would lose the fundamental nature that Jesus Christ bestowed on us, then we ought to understand we are in trouble. One man writing about this passage described purposeless disciples and how they hindered his belief. He writes this, he said, Until my conversion in 1975, I professed to be an atheist, in part because I looked at my fellow U.S. citizens who claimed to be Christians, and I could not see that their faith genuinely 
affected their lives. And so I reasoned, if Christians did not believe in Jesus' teachings, why should I? If salt loses its saltiness, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? You know, I believe that lost kingdom purpose isn't something that happens overnight. Rather, it's a process. There's little oversights. There are many moments of inattentiveness. There are are small hardnesses toward the Lord's instructions and inspiration. And as those little things and small things would add up and multiply over time, lo and behold, the purpose is gone and now we are something else. It was wise Solomon in Proverbs 24 who penned these words beginning in verse 30. He said, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. And I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. It's nothing like the scripture for some direct words, right? Expounding on this verse, one British writer compared this, what the psalmist wrote, to a garden deteriorating into a mere common. And from that writer's description, he said gardens are special. They are meticulously maintained, fertilized, trimmed, organized. They are walled. They are gated. They are protected. There is limited access to a garden so that it remains what it is intended to be. But but a common is something else. A common is an ordinary area. It's traveled by anyone and everyone. And and very little attention is paid to the specialness or the upkeep of the plants. And in a common, there's lots of people traveling through. And they undoubtedly transfer random seeds and random plants from other less discerning areas. And so the writer explained, if a garden becomes a common, then it's no longer a garden. Or as the proverb says, if a vineyard is overgrown with nettles and weeds, it's no longer a vineyard, which was Jesus' point exactly in this simple verse. Salt without saltiness is no longer salt. And so Jesus warned those disciples sitting on the mountainside that day. He said, hey, You ought to pay attention to your kingdom purpose. You ought to protect your kingdom purpose. You ought to nurture it and guard it. And by all means, don't let it become something else. Jesus not only talked about salt, but he then got to talking about light. There are many sources of light. 
Now due to this beautiful time change, light in the sky is almost set today already. I don't know about you, but I keep wanting to go to bed at 6 p.m. every night. We had a beautiful sunny day today. The easiest and clearest and probably most recognizable source of light is sunlight. The radiation that comes from the sun. Other than that, a common external or rather a common form of light has been around forever is that of fire. And so fire and various elements and lighting candles, that's another source of light. There are certain chemicals that produce radiation, and it's called, are you ready, chemoluminescence, or some pronunciation like that. In living things, it's called bioluminescence. Anybody ever seen a lightning bug? Everybody, anybody ever been in the ocean and plankton have lit up while boats have gone by? That's bioluminescence. Another source of light is the incandescent bulb. I have here some that still remain. These are hard to find today. Incandescent light bulbs. They used to be so prominent, but they're hard to find. Why are they called incandescent? Because the way they're structured, the way they give off light. There's another substances. Certain substances produce light when they're illuminated by more energetic Radiation and that kind of light is called fluorescence. And so we have fluorescent lights. Another kind of light. It's another kind of light that is produced because certain atoms, when they absorb energy, give off additional energy. And it's called emission lines. And those things form light emitting diodes. Those are the kind of lights they want us to have today. So we go from 30-cent light bulbs to what started out as $30 light bulbs. Can I get a witness? Light-emitting diodes, different kinds of light. There's other substances that will give off light when they have been lit by light. What? Yeah, a lot of watch dials because they have taken in light during the day then will glow at night. That's called phosphorescence. For instance, there's another kind of deceleration of a free charged particle like an electron that can produce radiation, cyclotron radiation, synchrotron radiation, bremsstrung lung radiation. Oddly, I don't have any examples of those up here today. Actually, in February this year, scientists discovered a new form of light. And they think it involves polaritons. What does that mean? I have no idea. But isn't that cool? They're still discovering forms of light. Jesus referenced light. He said in Matthew 5.14, he said, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Elsewhere, Jesus explained, he said, first of all, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light 
of life. Paul was teaching the disciples in Ephesus the same thing. He said, once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Followers of Jesus are the light of the world. Verse 15, no one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Someone once said this, there's no such thing as secret discipleship. Either the secrecy destroys the discipleship, or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. What is this verse all about? Jesus, number one, said, you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. When you follow me, you get my light. Basically, I have lit you up. And then Jesus explains, I didn't do that for you to hide. Verse number 16. In the same way, your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, consider for a minute, flashlight, turn a flashlight on. The light is not for the benefit of the flashlight. The flashlight is just the medium. The flashlight is just a container. The lighter here, the fire is not for the lighter. It's just the medium that transfers that. The lights and the chandeliers in this auditorium, that light that's come on is not for the benefit of the chandeliers. It's for us, those of us that are impacted by the light given off by the chandeliers. Light is illuminated for its surroundings, to impact its surroundings. Jesus said, let your good deeds shine so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can I remind us this afternoon that Christ's purpose in us, you are the light of the world. It's broader than our own personal purpose. Can I rattle us a little bit today that when Christ put light into our lives. It was not just so that I would enjoy the power of glowing. No, it was so that I would be a vessel to give light off. Releasing light is about the light. The glory is the light, not the lamp. When disciples release the light of Christ's power, it's about Him. It's about letting everyone know and understand about Him. He said, so that, that describes purpose, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You are the light of the world. said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You know, we have various varieties here of lights, already talked about them. Here's an incandescent bulb, but it's in green. It's going to give off a little different color of light. It's a 25-watt bulb versus 60-watt bulbs. And then the joyous understanding of LEDs where it says 85-watt 
Asterisk 13 watt. Which is it? Soft white bulb. This one says there are a number of things. It says energy used 27 watts, light output 1750 lumens. I didn't show you this one earlier, but here's a light that's a, a laser light. So you get that little light, light. It's different. All the lights are different. Yet they all emit light. Some red, some green, some bright, some not as bright, yet they all emit light. The uniqueness of each light doesn't eliminate the purpose. They are all lights. Can I remind us that Jesus, speaking to his followers, did not say, you'll be a light someday. He didn't say you will be salt at some point. He didn't say once you get bright enough, once you get salty enough, once there's the right circumstance and the right discipleship and the right length of following, then you can be salt and light. That's not what Jesus said. He looked out to the crowd and he said, you are salt. You are light. He made it in the present tense and in the here and the now. Can I encourage us in the house today? If we are following Jesus Christ, we are salt right now. In the mind of Christ, we are lights right now. Not someday. You are. Though we are at different stages of discipleship, Jesus said you are salt and light. Though we're at different stages of understanding, Jesus said you are salt and light. But I've got a different gift than you, preacher. We're still salt and light. My personality is different than yours. We are still salt and light. My experiences are different than yours. We are all salt and light. Now, at this moment... From the get-go, if I'm following Christ, we are salt and light. Peter later explained, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Jesus looked on the hillside that day. He's still early in ministry. He hasn't been after it a long time. He's still training people and leading disciples and helping them along the way. And on that hillside is every variety, every dimension. He looks at the whole crowd and he says, you are. He speaks into their lives. His God-ordained power and purpose. You are are salt of the earth. You are light of this world. You are. You are. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost, you give me peace.